0: Let's turn in our Bibles today to Psalm 126. If you find the place, we'll read Psalm 126. When the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dream. Then was our mouth filled with laughter. And our tongue was singing. Then said they among the heathen, The Lord hath done great things for them. The Lord hath done great things for us, whereof for we are glad. Turn again our captivity, O Lord, as the streams in the south. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth bearing precious seed shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Amen. We pray that God will stamp with his own approval and blessing this reading of the Holy Scriptures. Now, as you know, this is the last Lord's Day of 2014. It's really the end of the year. And the end of the year is a time, of course, to look back to the past, a time of reflection, a time to take stock of the present where we're at individually and collectively, and a time to look ahead to the new year that's going to come in the will of God. Now this morning, in light of the end of the year, I want to preach a sermon on the theme that I've entitled, The Great Things of God, or Pondering the Great Things of God. And unusually, my sermon today will have three texts of scripture. And these three texts are Psalm 126 and verse 3. It reads, The Lord hath done great things for us, for of." We are glad. Uh, And my second text is taken from Job uh, chapter 37 and from the verse 5. God thundered marvelously with his voice. Great things doeth he which we cannot comprehend. And my third text is taken from Joel chapter 2 and in the verse 21. Fear not, O land, be glad and rejoice, for the Lord will do great things. Now if you've been listening carefully, each of these texts in turn, we will discover the great things of God. Things that the Lord hath done, that's the past. The great things that he is doing now in the present it's interesting that two times in Job chapter 5 and 9, Job 37 and 5 that the word doeth is mentioned the great things he doeth. That's in the present continuous tense. And of course if we reflect in Joel, Joel 2:21, the great things that he will do in the future. Now, each of these verses speak of the great things of God. In fact, I looked up Bible Gateway that our brother Mark Strong showed me. And there's 54 references to the great things of God. And as I was praying about the end of the year sermon and uh, asking the Lord for help and direction, the word great things within my mind. And I was thinking again of the great things that God has done. And these um, are the the fruits of my reflection. Now, let's think first of all of the past great things of God. If you look at Psalm 126 that I've read for you and look at the verse 3, it says, The Lord hath done great things for us whereof we are glad. And you see, this Reference is spoken by a people who have known the deliverance of God in the past. And they're looking back upon that deliverance. And they're thankful. And they're joyful. Here's their testimony. The Lord. Notice it's in letters of capitals. It refers to the God of the covenant. Jehovah. Here's their testimony to God's person. It is the Lord who have done great things for us. Here's the testimony of God's people. You see, this is their personal experience. And what are they testifying to? Literally, their deliverance from bondage and captivity. Look at verse 1, link it up. When the Lord turned again, the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dream. Then, and that word then is hotan, it means at that time was our mouth filled with laughter and our tongue with singing. Now here's a, a reference to the return of slaves from bondage. And of course the commentators have a lot of conjecture and guesswork and they're trying to speculate, well, which captivity exactly is it that the psalmist is making reference to? Is it the captivity of Babylon or the captivity of Assyria or the captivity of some other period or the time in Egypt? And they're arguing, of course, as to which one it is. I personally think it doesn't matter. I think that we should reflect on the common theme. Here's a people that have a testimony because they've experienced a great deliverance wrought by God. What has the Lord done for them? Here's the answer. He has turned again the captivity of Zion. And that testimony, I believe, is a testimony that belongs to all of the people of God in every age. Way back over there in 1 Samuel chapter 12 and in the verse uh, 24. Samuel says, Only fear the Lord and serve him in truth with all your hearts for consider how great things he hath done for you. There's another of those 54 references. Consider. Take it into your mind. Ponder this. The great things that God has done for you. And isn't that a great statement to ponder and consider? Isn't that a good statement to be able to ponder and think about? Isn't that such a gracious statement? Consider how great things the Lord has done for you. We could add into the mix this morning the testimony of the demonic man, the man from Gardea, in Mark chapter 5 and verse 9. Remember, he, the Lord had healed him uh, and he was delivered from uh, demonic possession. And he wanted to go with Jesus. And what did Jesus say to him in verse 19? Go home to thy friends and tell what great things the Lord hath done for you. What was he saying? He was saying, Go home and start giving your testimony. Go and tell them, I'm not demon-possessed any longer. I'm not living among the tombs any longer. I'm not cutting myself with stones. I'm not running about naked. I'm not out of my head like some junkie. I'm now in my right mind. Look, I I am dressed. Look, I am changed. Why? Why? Because Jesus Christ has done great things in my life. And if you're here this morning in the house of God and you're saved, you can praise God for the experience of his salvation in the past. Can, can we speak of our deliverance from sin's penalty and power and pleasure? Can not we speak of being delivered from sin? Um, this present and evil world? Can't we speak of being delivered from the grip of Satan? You know, oftentimes when you think about it, and when you ponder it, and you think of the masses of humanity, uh, and you think of yourself uh, as a little speck of dust in the midst of that humanity, uh, and you, 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 you think of what God has done for you in salvation, isn't it like a dream? You can hardly believe it. You can hardly take it in at times. It, 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 it's unreal. Once we were in bondage to sin and Satan, and then we were had the privilege of hearing the gospel, and, and what a privilege it is to hear the gospel. And when it was applied to us by the power of the Spirit, we were set free. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And Can't you come to the house of God this morning? And thank the Lord that you're saved and you've experienced his salvation. That your sins are forgiven, they're under the blood. You've peace with God. You'll never ever be in hell. Your name's in the Lamb's book of life. God has provided a full and free and forever deliverance in his mercy. You're no longer a slave to sin or a slave to Satan. What a blessing. Maybe you're in the house of God today. and Perhaps you're here and you're worried. You're fearful. You look back and you can say, well, 2014 was a hard year for me. It was a most difficult time. I think of all that I faced. Maybe you faced sickness, maybe you faced sorrow. There's been a tremendous change in your circumstances. And yet despite all that, I want to say to you this morning, if you're saved, you can rejoice in your heart and you can thank God in the greatness of his pardoning mercy. We could think of God, how he's provided for us. Hasn't he provided help and mercy in so many different ways? Isn't it wonderful to, to ponder and reflect that God cares for me? That that, that God has a concern for me. that, that, That God has compassion in me. And in all the difficulties of life. In all of the sickness. In all of the worries. In all of the answers to prayer. In all of the ordinary things of life. In all of the help that you needed and the guidance. Who was there? And the answer is, the Lord was there. In the midst of it all. Not only has he pardoned me from my sin but he has provided for me in his wonderful mercy. We were singing there deliberately this morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Can we look back today and give thanks? Let me try and illustrate that for you if I can. Maybe it'll help the children and the young people here. I have never visited the Isle of Wight young people. Maybe you have. It's there in the English Channel. But in the Isle of Wight, in a place called Newport, there's a statue of Princess Elizabeth I. Now, she was the daughter of Charles I. And at that time, when Charles was reigning, there was a civil war in England. The princess princess was cut off from her family and friends. Um... Oftentimes, sadly, and where she was in the Isle of Wight in Newport, she was in ill health and in sickness. And one day the maid came into her room and found her body. She was just a young girl and that was very sad. But, you know, when they found her body, they found her body with her finger pointing to an open Bible. And her finger was actually resting on the words, Matthew 11 and 28. Come unto me, all ye that labour and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And they erected, I think it was in the time of Queen Victoria, a statue of Princess Elizabeth with her finger pointing to a Bible that's there (laughs) On this text, Matthew 11 and 28. Isn't it wonderful to know that in all our burdens, in all our worries, in all our fears, whether they've been in the past, the present or the future, that we can have rest in him. He has delivered us. We can rejoice. Job 5 and 19 says he shall deliver thee in six troubles. Yea, in seven shall no evil touch thee. And we have to think not only of the great things he has done in pardoning us, but the great things that he has done in providing for us. Think of our ways in which the Lord has delivered us. Physically. From things that would harm us or bring danger. He's even kept us from our own folly and stupidity and, and, and sinfulness. Didn't the psalmist testify that he would deliver us from the snare of the fowler and the noise and pestilence? And we can apply it in a spiritual sense. You see, ours is a testimony of deliverance, but it's also a testimony of delight. Isn't this what the psalmist said? The Lord has done great things for us, for off we are glad. And the child of God, you can be glad today. You, you, you shouldn't be sad. And I know with all the difficulties and worries and fears, sometimes it's hard to smile in the storm. But we certainly shouldn't be going about with faces as long as lurgan spades. We should be glad about spiritual things. There's many in the world today and they're glad about material things. But they haven't got spiritual things. The Bible says in Psalm 4 and 7 that he has put gladness in her heart. And, and it's interesting that this testimony got a response. Look, look very quickly at Psalm 126 and verse 2. Then said they among the heathen, the Lord hath done great things for them. Now you see, the heathen were looking at God's people and they were seeing them mouth filled with laughter tongue was singing, the gladness of the Lord in their heart and this was their response to their joyful testimony this was the cause of it because God's people's mouth was filled with laughter and tongue was singing and there was gladness and joy in their heart then they were saying the Lord have done great things for them we're off, we are glad now I have a question for you this morning can you include yourself in the statement? The Lord have done great things for us. We're off, we are glad. You could take out the word us and put me. The Lord have done great things for me. We're off, I am glad. So often, even in the work of God, we can focus on the negatives. So often we get discouraged. So often we, we 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 fill our mind with those things that, that are a trial to us. And I think this morning, while we acknowledge the negatives, we should begin to focus on the positive, the things the Lord has done. Because you see, if we focus on the negatives, it's easy to complain we feel sorry for ourselves. We'll we, get down in the dumps. And that's why we sang this morning deliberately. Count your <coughs> blessings. That's what I want you to do. Name them one by one. Count your blessings. See what God has done. And begin to say the Lord hath done great things for me. We're and glad. And it started with his pardoning mercy. But it's providing mercy all along the way. The past great things of God. Notice very quickly, and secondly, the present great things of God. Tur- turn there to the testimony of Job, Job 37, and look with me at the verse 5. <coughs> Job 37 and verse 5. It says there, God thundered marvellously with his voice. Great things doeth he, which we cannot comprehend. Now you see, here is God who's working in the present. It's not all past. It's not all looking back. And the end of the year is not all past and all looking back and it's not just a time for saying wasn't it wonderful what the Lord did back then but the Lord's not doing it anymore the Lord in a sense has left the field the Lord has deserted us he's not doing it anymore well that's not the case the Lord has worked but here's the message the Lord is working He is the God who doeth wonders, marvellous things, things past finding out, things that we can't comprehend. We link up Job 37 and 5 with Job chapter 5 and verse 9. It says, which doeth great things and unsearchable, marvellous things without number. Now it's a wonderful thing to reflect on the present. Doeth. That's in the present continuous tense. Let's get our mind on this. That God is sovereign. That God is on the throne. That God does what he wants. That God works in his way and his time for his own glory. But that God is always working because he's eternally present. Isn't that what Job says? Great things doeth he. Which we cannot comprehend. That means they're (laughs) past finding out. That means we can't number them. Doesn't the Bible say in Psalm 37 and verse 5. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him and he shall bring it to pass. You see, I believe the Lord is going to do great things for us individually and for our families and for us congregationally and denominationally. And what's our responsibility? Our responsibility is to commit our ways to the Lord. Lord, here's a burden too heavy for me. I'm not going to carry it. You're you're greater and bigger than me. You carry the burden. You carry me, Lord. And trust in him. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. Psalm 72 and 18 says that he only doeth wondrous things. You see, God is still the same, folks. He, he's unchanged. He's unchangeable. The, the testimony of Hebrews is um, Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today and forever. Malachi 3 and 6 says, I am the Lord, I change not. You see, God is still the same. God's years haven't changed because they have no end. God's immutable. He's unchangeable. He's always the same. God dwells in the eternal present, not in the past. What was his name to Moses? I am that I am. He says, Moses, I am in the now. I'm eternally present, Moses. I never change. Is not a comfort. It is not something to gladden your heart. We we can fill our mind with God's person. We can fill our mind with God's power. You see, He's undiminished by His past works. God is not like. A recyclable battery that needs to be recharged every now and again. God is still the same. And he's still mighty and strong to save. And your loved ones that are without Christ that you despair of and say they never will be saved. They've no interest in the things of God. God is able to save. God is strong and mighty to turn things around. Even for a little church like this. God is mighty and strong to send revival. If you look at the context of Job 37 and verse um, 5, it's the same for Job chapter 5 and verse 9. Look at the verse 6. For he saith to the snow, Be thou in the earth, likewise to the small rain and to the great rain of his strength. He sealeth up the hand of every man and all men may know his work. Now I want you to think of this. Where does the rain come from? Who sends the water and the earth? Who sends the hail and the snow and the frost? He saith to the snow, Be thou in the earth. Now now isn't that that important? You see, it's not Mother Nature. How many times have we heard that even in the radio? There's no such person as Mother Nature. There's no such thing as Mother Nature. It's God. But he's been left out of the picture of the ungodly. God's in control. And it's by the breath of God the frost is given. We had to scrape our windscreens and windows this morning. Um, Rosemary was out helping me with a kettle of water And uh, because the, the deacer's locked in the car and the car wouldn't open because the wee locks are frozen. And of course, that just reminds us again you see, it's by God's power. The Bible tells us in verse 11, verse 10, By the breath of God frost is given, and the breath of the water is straightened. Also by watering he wearieth the thick cloud, he scattereth his bright crowd. You you see, it's God's provision. Even in the snow, the frost, and the rain. That's how great God is. And it's by his providence. Everything's for his glory and for the good of his people. He works all things after the counsel of his own will. Everything God does in the world is for a purpose. And we look back, we can look at the negatives. We, we can think of the, 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 what we term the bad things that have happened. But let's remember, the Bible says in Romans 8 and 28, I promise to remember in a bad day. And we know that all things work together for good to them who love God to them who are called according to his purpose. Aren't we frustrated when evil things are happening, not only inside our family circles, in our country, but in our world? You you think of the the distress that we've all felt with this Asher Bakery case, Uh, and thinking about the the, the, um, Arthur family in in Yudnabek. You think of what we felt there just in the mouth of Christmas with the, the death of six people in Glasgow when the, the man driving the bin lorry took the heart attack and, uh, and, uh, and people were were, were were killed. You think about the murder of those 135 children in Pakistan and with, with, with the Taliban even burning the, the, the teacher to death that stood in the doorway and said, you are not come in to shoot the children over my dead body and they poured petrol on her and set her alight. And we're, we're thinking not only of these evil acts that are taking place in the Middle East with the rise of ISIS and the beheading of, of people, not only Christians but Muslims. We're thinking about the attack on God's word. I was just thinking recently about one of the statements of a, a former archbishop of, of the Church of England and he said it was not essential to believe in the virgin birth. And I thought, isn't there much to make us weep? Not only in the country, but in the church. And we think about the state of the church. And maybe I could just add this. And we even think about the state of our own free Presbyterian churches. Some of the buildings are half empty. There's a, there's a, 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 a lack of commitment and, and wholeheartedness among God's people. And there's a me first rather than, than the Lord first. And there, 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 there seems to be an emptiness spiritually in the lives of men I. Thank God for the few that are faithful and true to the Lord. But there is a concern. There is a concern right to the top of the church. But we can focus on the negative and, and doom and gloom and say it's all, oh, it's terrible. But we need to get our eyes on the Lord. Where are your eyes today? Do you remember when he read from Isaiah chapter 61 in the synagogue, as was Christ's custom? And it says there in Luke chapter 4, isn't it, that every eye was fastened on him as he closed the book. And I thought, what a wonderful thing in the house of God, every eye fastened on him. That's what we need. We need to get our eyes on his person, on his power. Remember that he is in control and rejoice in his provision. He's eternally present. One final thing and our time is gone. Turn over there to Joel chapter 2. And I'll be brief with this point. Joel chapter 2 and verse 21. Here's the future. Fear not, O land. Be glad and rejoice. For the Lord will do great things. Things. Now, as we finish, we don't know what the future holds. We don't know what Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday will bring. Or even Thursday, the first day of the new year. We don't know what will happen in our lives and in the life of the church in 2015. We, we know what we expect to happen. But it's subject to the will of God. Even this hundred pound pledge that we've thought about. But I want to say this, as we think about the future, with all our worries and fears, let's remember that the future for the believer is as bright as the promises of God. You see, Joel 2.21 is God's word to his ancient people. Here's their hope. There's a future for us. What does it say? For the Lord will do great things. And this came about after a period of great affliction and reproach, a period of great desolation, when the enemy has ravaged the land. But he's saying to God's people, yes, that's all true, but don't focus on that. I want you to be encouraged. I want you to give a message. Never mind what the enemy's done. Think of this, what the Lord will do. The Lord will do great things. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that a tremendous promise to inspire confidence? The Lord is able to turn back the workings of the devil. And so often we forget that. You see, the trouble, and I finish, we as God's people who profess to be believers Oftentimes the truth is we're full of doubt. And we don't really believe in God's ability to change things. And we need to get a hold of the promise. And we need to stand in that promise. There's 7,300 in the book and here's one of them. And this is what we ought to say. I believe God. See so often what we see affects our speech. So if we see the Lord high and lifted up, then let that affect our speech and be able to to lay hold in this promise, he will do great things. Do you believe that in your life, in your family, in my family, and even for this church in 2015? We want to be able to say, and we want to encourage you to say, I believe God. The prospect of the great things of God. Here's a sermon that's been unusual. Three texts. Normally preach in three texts or at least mention three texts. But I leave this with you and I trust that the Lord will bless you as we ponder the great things of God. Come back tonight and we'll look at another angle of the end of the year in the Lord's will.